Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Father, thank you for the privilege to hear your word. We pray that as your word is taught, let the heavens be open. Reveal yourself to us. Deposit yourself into us that we will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The, the Bible is not just a, re, a religious book. It's not uh, sociologically or politically you can classify it as a religious book. But to those of us who know God, the Bible is not a religious book. The Bible is a seed bag. Contains seed. Not just that, the Bible is the life supply of God into the believer. That's why Jesus said, man must not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds. We live by it. That's what keeps us going. Physically, if you look at the Bible, it has 66 books. It's Theologically, we call it, we say it's a library. A library made up of 66 books. This is the only library that has definite specific books. No more than that, no less than that. The library is a library and the books are 66. Divided into two categories. The Old Testament and the New Testament. But I want to take it a bit further. The Bible, it's the complete divine revelation given by God to man. So, if you want to know, you see, men can try and go to the moon or go to space, but no one has been to heaven. But where is heaven for you to say, I'm going there? So, you can't enter the spirit in your physical self and then go and do a research in the spirit. (laughs) So, I have PhD in Spiritual matter, researching. No, no, you can't. It can't be taught. It can be revealed. Even those who try and... You can't go and look for a ghost and make sure you see a ghost. They can actually allow you to see them to a certain extent because spiritual things are quite different. In the same way, God decided to reveal himself and the Bible is the complete divine revelation of God or from God to man. And it's... Um, and... The, 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 the central theme of the Bible, watch this very carefully, okay, and the, it's mainly, the, the revelation is mainly about God's economy. Economy. Economy is not like Minister of Finance or something like that, you know what I'm talking about. It's economy is household distribution, so in a house, in a big, let's say in a large house, 
the flow of money and then the wealth and the resources in the house, how it can be distributed for the children to have their own. Like during the Christmas, when the uh, when mother was preparing the food, prepared it in such a way that um, the children have their portion, this one have their portion. You see, how things are managed. Everybody's happy. The washing machine is serving this one. This one is using the same. The bathrooms are three so that those who stay longer can take the the one downstairs and then those who and all that that's called household economy that's why when you talk about the word economy in a nation said the economy of a nation is not talking about just money talking about the resources and how it's managed that's why we have the gdp it has it's, it's, an, it's connected to economy resources all right so the bible is about the divine economy it's very important it's all about the unfolding of the divine economy how watch this how god planned to make man and to reveal himself to man, put himself into man. So, the, and this economy, the centrality, watch this eventually, the universality or the centrality of this economy is about Jesus Christ. Is the center. And the goal of the economy is about the church, which is the body of Christ, the fullness of, of Christ. The body of Christ, the fullness of Christ, and the expression. So the church is the expression of Christ. And you can't understand it until so you, you, you study the text by the Spirit. And the, the, this, this revelation is unfolded in bits, from, right from Genesis. So God, in steps, unfolds the revelation of his economy, okay, his plan from Genesis. And it is consummated in Revelation. So Genesis chapter 1 and 2 talks about creation. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 talks about the new Jerusalem. So it starts with a garden into a city called Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem. So you can never understand what Genesis is about till you look at Revelation. And we are all in between on a journey. Very, very interesting point. You have to understand that. In the Old Testament, God's economy is unfolded step by step. In the whole Bible, but it's unfolded in types, shadows, and figures. So when you look at the Old Testament, most of the things that the way God reveals Himself, His plan, His program, is all there, but it's in types, figures, and shadows. Whilst in the New Testament, the New Testament is the fulfillment. So the Old Testament is more of a portrait of God's economy, which is revealed in shadows, types. What is all this thing about? Because we have to, we have to. The economy of this church is to meet the need of spiritual need of everybody. Some may, I'm glad it's been recorded because some may understand it now. Others later on, ah, okay, wow, that was so. Um, and then the New Testament is made uh, is is the fulfillment of what is given in the Old Testament as shadows, types, and um, figures. So when you see the tabernacle, you see them doing sacrifices. You see them. Tab- All those things have meaning. It's God revealing the way he works, the way his program is. But you won't really understand it properly until you look at it in the New Testament. And the New Testament is the, actually, the actual and the fulfillment of what was given as types and shadows in the Old Testament. So an example is the tabernacle was a, it's like the, a, a tent-like structure. That was given, God gave Moses instruction that built so that whilst you travel in the wilderness, there is a dwelling amongst you for me. So God has always wanted to dwell amongst his people. So he gave them the tabernacle to build. But now where is it? There's no tabernacle anyway. Why? Because we are the t- 
temple of God, not as individuals, but collectively as the body of Christ. We are the temple. God desires to live actually in us, but he gave that how he's going to live in us, the way he's going to work in us. In the Old Testament, for us to look at the way he's doing it so we can understand the way he's actually doing it in us. And we can then expose ourselves, open up ourselves for God to actually live in us. So people, some people will say the Old Testament is not necessary. It is. Because it will help you to see how God, it's all the unfolding of the program of God. Because it, how many of you know that it doesn't take one year to make a medical doctor? A child starts school and then he says, well, let's wait. When he becomes an adult, don't go to school. When you become an adult, we just put you in a one-month program and become a doctor. No. The ABCDs, okay, the souls and then the me, the cam, the, all those Ways and phonics are necessary for the person becoming a doctor. So you can't, you can't divorce them. It's a process. It starts somewhere in order to end in becoming the top neurosurgeon. The top neurosurgeon started with come, me, there, he, she. He didn't start with pancreas. He didn't start with <laughs> Gastric juice. No. It's time for <laughs> Also Fagos. <laughs> the cornea and all oh, no, it start with the kind of sicknesses, uh, syphilis or all those kind of sicknesses that some of the sickness the name itself can make you sick. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when you go to the Bible, don't go to it as a textbook. Engaging your brains to try to, okay, intellectualize and analyze it. You go it as a source of food, nourishment. And as you, and you go by faith, and as you open up your spirit, then you begin to discover God. You begin to discover God and begin to, the Bible says that, that you will be able to comprehend with all the saints. No. Nobody, no human being can comprehensively encapsulate or grasp the understanding of God. We are too finite to contain the infinite. All of us here, this screen will never fit into your house. <laughs> At least, or about 90% of us. Some of us, even the one speaker, <laughs> will not have any space in you. <laughs> if we love you so much and give you this table, it's going to be a problem. There's no space. Where are you going to put it? <laughs> oh, I like the screen. I want to buy some and put it in my living room. Where? Your living room cannot accommodate this, the largeness of the screen, the size of the screen. In the same way, our little minds cannot contain the largeness of God. Contain it. So he gives himself to us in bits and pieces. In bits, throughout your life, in bits and pieces. Not for you to know that you can contain him. So in bits and pieces, in bits, no human being. How many people have you ever met who has PhD in everything? <laughs> ten. It's hard. It's thing to find someone with ten PhDs. 
even to have one, there are more people, a lot of you here, you, do, you can't even. Masters is even a challenge. <laughs> so, haven't you, can't you realize how naive and pediatric or possibly absurd it is for someone to say, me, I understand God. I know all this. It's a display and demonstration of acute ignorance. How can you know God? You have finished knowing God. You can't. But theologians say that if God is very, very different from us, then there will not be any point of reference for him for us to even know him and understand to a certain extent. Because of that, he made us like himself. So that that similarity, that likeness can help us to have an understanding to a certain extent how God is. So even though God is not the same as we are, he is not utterly dissimilar. There are some points of similarity that can help us to grasp an aspect of God. That's why he took the entire scriptures to try to reveal himself to man and his plan and his program. Moses worked with God to a certain extent. He knew God to a certain extent, but to a very little extent. To a very, very minimal extent. Moses. But interestingly, I found out that God actually likes to stay in the bush. <laughs> he, like, he lives in the bush. <laughs> Go ask Moses. He found out that God lives in the bush. <laughs> he wants to make a city for him. He lives in the bush. I pray for you that you will not run your life on the track of that spiritual ignorance which has been polished like intellectualism. So in our bid to try to look intellectual, we have made ourselves spiritual dummies. (laughs) So when God is trying to reveal himself to us, we think that we know him enough that we are showing him that, look, I know you. I, so we have gone to occupy ourselves to a research of God that when God is trying, because God cannot be taught, he is revealed. So when he's busily trying to show us who he is, a little bit about himself, we are busily looking into things, thinking that we can, through our discoveries and our, our research program, we will know a bit more about God. So you try Shintoism to know a bit. You try Islam to know a bit. You say, I've tried Christianity in the Catholic Church a little bit. I've tried even being a Methodist a little bit. And I've tried this. I've tried. You are full of intellectual information, but spiritual uh, uh, drought. You're... You are suffering spiritual malnourishment and spiritual drought, acute spiritual drought. But your mind makes you think that that's the problem of humanity, especially people who think they are intelligent. It doesn't take intelligence to know God. Most professors would have been top people who know God. Bible says that for I, Let's look at it on the screen. This is an amazing text. Romans chapter 1 verse 19. Uh, from creation or through creation, the invisible attributes of God. You can't see him, but make sure he put it, he coded it into creation. Romans chapter 1, I said, please. Verse 20. For since creation, since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, you can't see him. It's invisible. 
His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made. You look at this speaker, it should, it should help you to understand an attribute of God, not the entirety of God. Being clearly understand or understood by the things which are made, the invisible attributes of God, it can be seen inside. But if you block your mind and you treat, tune your mind in one direction, you miss God so brutally that when you think you have found him, you end up, you end up realizing you've gone to catch a devil, <laughs> thinking he's God. Because the devil likes to present himself as an angel of light. So those who go around looking for a certain oh, looking for a certain God to fit into their existing, be, existing beliefs about God. So preconceived ideologies about God, you use that preconceived ideologies about God going around looking for a certain God fit into that preconceived mindset. That is why we miss God so much. And God is always... So when Jesus showed up, when God showed up on the scene, the Bible called them the teachers of the, the law. They were scribes and they, they interpreted the law. They understood the text. In that time, when we talk about the law, it's not talking about the law and the court. It's talking about the law given by God. They were teachers and they are experts. They are doctors. In fact, they are doctors of the law. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, I think, 6, 17. Okay, so uh, Luke 5, 17 instead. That's the one. 5, 16. Go to 5, 16. It happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of all, every town, Galilee, Judea, and uh, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal who? To heal who? The sickness was with the teachers of the law. (laughs) It's not some people. It was with the people who were there to listen. They were sick without knowing they were sick. Yeah. And the power of God. They were coming to hear, but he was coming to do. They wanted to hear, okay, let's, let's find out what it's about. Meanwhile, they had their sickness in their body. But they were just investigating, using their minds, trying to engage their intellect. I was telling a few people recently that God does not appeal to our minds. He speaks to our spirit and it informs our minds. God your spirit, the Bible says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So that's why when you get born again, I understand that you have a PhD. I understand that you are a top accountant for um, some of those international accountant, accountancy firms. Pricewaterhouse, I understand you are a fellow. I understand you are well learned, you are astute. I understand, but it does not mean you understand or you know the things of God. When you get born again, what it is, is you are a spiritual babe, B-A-B-E, spiritual babe. And we need, now need to school you through the things of God systematically. Haven't you seen big, big intellectual people, intelligent men, both wise, uh, intelligent and dumb, all that, going to sit down for uh, maybe a young man, a young woman to tell them, bring your tongue out. They, ah. And then you see them say, ah, ah, ah. The spirit is coming on you. Ah, please, ah. Oh, you 
thought this guy was very intelligent. Yeah. See, when it comes to spiritual things, <laughs> some of you know brothers and fathers, you have fathers and brothers and mothers, or a, a whole father, your father, your father used to be in the, some occult. And every night, you see him wearing only some special thing tied around his waist, <laughs> and then he's dancing in the hall when everybody's asleep. And you're wondering, ah, my father is a top professor. Yes. But look at what he's doing. <laughs> when it comes to spiritual things, please don't confuse the two. They are two different realms. Your in, in, intellectual prowess or powers doesn't guarantee you spiritual insight. <laughs> also, what guarantees? First, you must be born again. Because Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You are blind. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that Satan, God, God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So their mind, it's a mental, mental blindness. Satan has blinded their minds. So when you become born again, your, your mind is illuminated. Suddenly, the eyes of your understanding begin to see. It's, it's very important people understand. So when you come to church and you, you find Christ or Christ finds you because you are the one lost. Whatever you understand, you, 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 you begin to... It is imperative that you humble yourself for us to teach you the ABCs. The Bible calls it the, rudiment, the rudiments, fundamental things. Hebrews chapter, 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 chapter 6, verse 1. It talks about you need, the, need someone to teach you again the rudimental, the fundamental things, fundamental Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. These are element, they are elementary, but if you haven't done the elementary, you can't do the advanced. So some of the things I'm saying has some advanced content and elementary content. But I have the responsibility to speak in such a way that everybody, it doesn't matter who your teacher thinks you to be. Your teacher can say you are dumb, everybody can understand. Because God is interested in everybody. Have I communicated something at all? So next time, two things. When you are in church, allow those who have been ahead of you to teach you. Gradually. And then give yourself to studies. Not intellectual powers, but search for God. Be hungry for God. And then give yourself to the text and feed your spirit. The the more your, your spirit matures, the more you can get the things of God better the more you can, you can comprehend with the saints. So the more your spirit matures. But spiritual maturity is not a function of longevity in church. Yes. Yes. The pastor just say, receive it, and then we come and I receive it. <laughs> but you know, if I don't teach you these things and I keep saying receive it, I always have to always be receiving, receiving, and the thing is not cementing. Because the front door is open, good things are coming in, but unfortunately the back door is also open, and then they go out. So I'm just trying to close a little bit of the back door, amen. so that when I prophesy, it can stay and work. <laughs> Shout amen. <laughs> oh, and the essence and the crux of every church service, every Christian gathering, must be the delivery of God's word. 
If the people who are singing sing without the word content, it's rubbish. If anyone who is doing testimony or leading prayer does it without a word reference, a word content, listen, it is not of God. It may, be, it may sound very nice. That's why I don't, I don't enjoy quoting from Abraham Lincoln. Let alone Bob Marley. For what? <laughs> I don't enjoy quoting from... I mean, they might have said some wonderful things, which I thank God, Winston Churchill and all, wonderful people. They are good. They say a lot of good things, or they've said some people have, uh, 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 not Confucius, the other one, Gandhi. Oh, wonderful things, which is true. You know, but some of those things are truisms. And proverbs and stuff like that, but the word of God is life. So when I quote from the word, I'm actually issuing our life. When I quote from an orator, an intelligent person, I'm actually empowering your brace. I'm appealing to your brace. But he said, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. Someone shout hallelujah. Am I communicating something to somebody? We are not necessarily, pastors are not necessarily public speakers. We are Christ dispensers. Our job is to dispense Christ. After I've spoken to you, something of Christ must have entered you. And I have not done a good job. So in spite of how much I want to impress you with jargons and cliches and platitudes, that is not what my, my job is. My job is so much that by the time I finish, something of God has entered you. Your faith has gone up. So you, you, oh, yeah, I, I felt God was talking to me. And your obedience level is higher. You want to obey God more. Yeah. That's the job of a pastor. The pastor's job is to feed. Not just feed. And we feed by teaching. The teaching is not to empower our brain, our, the, the intellect. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not marginalizing the, the engagement of our intelligence or intellect. I'm not, no, 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 no. Because one of the things I taught sometimes when I was going through it, amazing, uh, on faith, uh, I'm a believer. When you say you believe, believe is not unreasonable. When you, you say, I believe, what? The next question is, what? So you must, believe must be cognitive. It's not ethereal or emotive. It must be cognitive. There is a fact you believe. So if you say, I believe this hotel belongs to Pastor David, you know, you get, yes. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? And so I am not one who will tell you that, oh, just believe, you don't have to think. No. Because believing engages your mind, as a matter of fact. Someone whose mind is not working can believe. But the intellectual, your intellectual abilities is not a function of the state of your, comfort, your belief. Because someone can be so intelligent, but when it comes to believing, the heart, you see, the Bible said, with the heart, wow. Romans chapter 10, it said that with the heart, man believes, it's the heart, it's a matter, it's a matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is the, heart, is the matter of the heart. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verse 8. He said, for with the heart man believes, and with the mouth 
He said, but with, what does he say? The word is near, it's in your heart. The word of it. Go to the verse 9. Look at verse 9. Let's all read verse 9 together. Let's go. Let's go to 10. Let's go to 10. Let's go to 10. 10. Let's go to 10. And with the mouth, confessions. Not with the mind. With the heart. Proverbs says that keep your heart with all diligence. Proverbs chapter 4, verse, verse 20. Keep your heart with all diligence. Out of it are the issues of life. Life issue out, issues out, out of your heart. That's why when it comes to the thing that can really change a person's life, that really impacts a person's life, is love. Yeah. They use the sign of their heart to, you know, that, to show that. I love you. When you send somebody a text and you add that sign, it means a lot. <laughs> it means a lot. You have to later explain yourself what you meant by sending that, that text to that lady and ending it with the heart. The, <laughs> the heart means a lot and the lips also mean something else. <laughs> Some of you just use the emojis like that. And you intentionally behave like you don't know what you are trying to use. You know what you are using. You know what you are using. <laughs> Someone say, oh, me and the Lord, we love you. What do you mean by that? Leave God out. What you what you are trying to say? <laughs> sister, you know I love you with the love of the Lord. But we know you just have to surface with the love of the Lord. But actually, what you are saying is deeper than just a normal agape love. <laughs> with the heart. With the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made of salvation. He said, if you shall say to this mountain, be that removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, not in your mind. Your heart. It's an issue of the heart. There's never anywhere in the Bible he says, that, give me your cash. He said, give me your heart. <laughs> God, God has never been interested in anybody's money. Never. But Satan makes people feel that they go to church and give you a free. God needs your money. He doesn't never need your help. God has never been in need of help from a man. We have always needed help. Is there anyone here who needs help? And God will help you. I definitely need the help. Even to stand here and to preach, I definitely need the help of God. We need it because we are so restricted as human beings. Surrounded by infirmities, limitations and restrictions, inabilities. Some, some of you, even as you are seated here, you are, you are just unconsciously sleeping. Even though you didn't, you didn't intend to, you see, but you need help. Yes, yes. You are trying. You are trying. Wow. You know, I've said quite a few things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten soul. He only begotten that, that whosoever believes is not whosoever knows. Believes will not perish. Your perishing is a function of your faith. Believe. It is 
say whosoever does ABC, whosoever does not fornicate, whosoever does not steal, whosoever does not fight, whosoever does not be nice. That's religion. Religion, religion demands for you to do. But God just demands for you to believe. Believe what? That's why we teach. So that we can help you understand the context of content of God's divine economy. So you know what this whole thing is about and you can engage your faith and your belief in God so that you can be saved. What shall we do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved. God can help you outside your belief, you know. That's a big one for somebody. Remember I said it. God can't help you outside your belief. And Satan will do anything to sponsor your own belief. <laughs> he actually busily is investing. Investing in your own belief. He has a big investment program. Not to destroy you. Because he can't destroy you when your belief and your faith is intact. So if he can get you to be an unbeliever and not to believe, he has finished his job naturally. If, it's just like if, if he can get you not to take your shower, you will naturally produce uh, an offensive odor. He doesn't have to do too much. Just leave the person. Make sure cut the water supply like they did in Syria. They cut supply and they, they besieged them. There was nothing going in. After a while, they begin to die because they were hungry. They were starving to death. You better starve your doubt and feed your faith. What people, a lot of people don't know is that life always demands sacrifice. How many of you um, have ever written some professional exams? Quite a few of you. Okay, don't lift your hand because I'm both feel intimidated about things like that. How many of you know? Okay, I saw Dr. Prempe. Can you rise to your feet? Doc, why is it that there are only a few doctors and there are more nurses? <laughs> why? Are there not so many doctors at all? What do you say? The demand on doctors, Jess, I think I saw Jessica somewhere. Rise to your feet. Is Jessica here? Yes. You are a GP. Why is it that we don't have too many doctors? Were you not in school with so many, uh, from nursery or uh, primary school, so many of your friends? Why? Why is that so? Do you agree with what he said? He said, he supposed the demand to be a doctor is so high. All right. Thank you. Why is it that not many people have been able to swim across the English Channel to get to UK. Some people have tried though. Yeah. You see, you hear that someone was caught in a tanker, they were hiding in the tanker and then some that. The reason why they were hiding inside is others have hidden and gotten here. Yes. And they found their friends, you can also come through. Others won't dare because they are afraid they'll be arrested, so they stay at home. But the point I want to say is that there's a lot you have to sacrifice to get to something. 
Most of you have sacrificed so many things to become a doctor, to become an accountant. When others were at the uh, nightclub, wiggling their waist and enjoy, you had an exam. You couldn't do that. For a long time, you were locked up somewhere, studying. Your head was always something. You had severe headaches, but you had to pass the exam. It's called sacrifice. Yes. Sacrifice is programmed into every achievement in life. Wow. Some of you are here because of the sacrifices of your parents. Yes. Your mother denied herself certain levels of comfort so that you can have a decent education and decent parental care. Sacrifice. Life is full of sacrifice. Sacrifice is programmed into life. If you don't want to sacrifice, you will be a victim of circumstances any day, any time. Some of you have remained married or your parents remained married because of the sacrifice of your father or your mother. Even though your mother was like a monster or your father was like a baboon. But, but your mother sacrificed her ego. She sacrificed her pride. She sacrificed her opportunities so that she can remain married. And today, we are boasting of their marriage for 35 years. Don't you know the sacrifice behind it? Why is it that this generation, we, we think sacrifice is a swear word? Why? Sacrifice is not a swear word. It's a way of life to the next stage. Coming to church will require sacrifice. You can be home or you can be somewhere doing anything you want. But it will invariably have an impact on you. Your success story is a reflection of the sacrifices of your past. Listen, my darling, we all do make sacrifices because we have to. Some of you must switch off the television and sit down with that young daughter of yours. Take her through her assignments. Don't leave it for the teacher to make her understand. Take it upon yourself. Maybe because of your child, you have now gone to study some adult uh, education. You have done some agile education to just upgrade your mathematics so that your child can be able to end up in Oxford. Yeah. Someone shall sacrifice. sacrifice. It's necessary. Necessary. But self-centeredness and selfishness make us most of the time abort sacrifice programs that are necessary for our greatness. Most people remain poor and remain um, um, low in life and don't excel in life because of their unwillingness to sacrifice. Some people are not employable, even though they can speak in tongues. They come to church, but they are not employable because their egos are so big, they are not willing to sacrifice their ego to keep their earning coming in. Am I communicating to somebody? It's necessary. Your job. Many people can sustain a decent job because of your character. You started from home. Your parents couldn't correct you. No one can tell you, stay here, do you? you? You are a king on your own. A self-made king. 
ruining your own life. I was telling some people, if you want to destroy a person's future, a child, if you want to destroy the child's future, it's not the education you give the child. No. It's not the education. Because there are people who, have not, who are not highly educated, but they are doing well in life. Yes, yes, yes. If you want to destroy a person's future, teach the person how to be disrespectful to authority. Yeah. Yeah. That should make some of us think. Yeah. Why some of the systems are destroying certain group of people? Because from, from childhood, they are trained to be dishonorable, disrespectful to parents, disrespectful to school authorities, disrespectful to the police, mm. law enforcement, disrespectful to anybody. Mm. That's why they can become great. Yes. You want to work at BBC? You must learn how to be submissive. Yes. If you're a news reporter, you think you report what you want? <laughs> you're joking. As for me, I know I'm here, my job, I'm just here to report news. They will suck you, go and report somewhere. Yeah. But to operate in somebody's, go and set your own system. But some, to operate in someone's system, you must do it their way. Yeah. Why is it that you come to church, you want to be part of church workers, and you want to do it your own? No way. Watch this. Wait, wait. And, and, and there are some people, this thing is following to ruin your future. You have arrived in church, allow us to, to detach it from you. It will be hard, it will be harsh, but it is necessary for your greatness. Amen. That's why I keep saying that many of the young ladies I see in church, and young men I see in there, they won't survive marriage for three years. They won't survive because of this kind of, some attitude. You can't accommodate anybody. You, everything must be about you. It is you are the one. Ask for me. Ask for me. Shut up with this ask for me. It is that is what is killing you. It's your ask for meanness. You are preaching. My God. It's necessary. And some of, some of us, our hearts, our hearts are so genuine. But our levels of ignorance about the thing that is meant to destroy you, you don't know. Going around, I'm intelligent. When I was in school, I was the best student. Most best students don't get anywhere. You know, those of you who have been to school, remember, most of them, most of best, best, best this, best this. Where does it take you to? It's the best attitude that lets you rise. <laughs> watch, watch this. Many people are not employed because of the color of their CV. But it's the color of their attitude. Most of us, you are believing God. I receive promotion. It will not happen. Because your attitude is very bad. Your bosses can't stand you. They are waiting for opportunity for them to press the eject button and get you out. It's only the mercy of God is keeping you because you are tied that for some reason you have escaped all kinds of... getting what I'm saying. Some of us have fought anything that looks like authority in our lives. You fought your father. You fought your mother. You fought your stepfather. You fought your stepmother. You fought your aunties, uncles. Everyone knows that that's why no one crosses you because you are a fighter. And see where it has taken you to. With all your abilities and your skill and your giftedness, Giftings, you should have been soaring very high, but look at you. Gift alone is not enough. Gift alone does not make great. Hey, listen to me. Gift alone, talent alone does not make greatness. Mm. 
there are many people who are fantastically talented, but woefully grounded. I want to get what I'm saying. Allow yourself, let's help you, because some of you, you are so pretty as a woman, but actually, no man who thinks well will be willing to settle with you. Not because you don't have, you have everything. 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 Everything that can wake a dead man. But, but people come around you and the next thing they say is, I think it's okay. <laughs> I think this one is okay. No, this one, I can't take this one. And so by God's grace, listen to this very carefully. I'm about to say something. By God's grace, he has led you into a church. And the pastor is not intimidated by how much you can give or who you do or who you know. I am not intimidated. And sometimes I will speak in such a way that even though intentionally it's not disrespect, it will push your ego. Because the truth can be sometimes so harsh and hard that it pushes your ego. Take it and work with it. But too many of us have built defenses around our egos. Nothing crosses your egos. And when you go to any public gathering in our generation, in our, our nation, Everywhere you go, public space, you are supposed to be treated like a god or a goddess. Hello, you're welcome. And customer service is so important in this modern generation. So you come to church and you are so keen on how you'll be treated. You are not focused on how you can find God. Because you've been treated so well in everywhere you go that you can see that your, your, your spirit and your character has not received treatment. Right. <laughs> you go to hospital for to receive treatment, not to be uh, to receive niceness. <laughs> we not scared, I yeah. We not scared. You know, American English. We are not scared of you. We not scared, I yeah. We not scared, I yeah. We. <laughs> you need someone to make fun of this kind of character that is likely to keep you grounded in life. So that out of tiredness and provocation, you are provoked to change. Wow. Wow. And it requires sacrifice. Some of you, I bet you, you can't serve in certain departments for long. But no one can tell you. Do this. No one can tell you. Everything, you are the king. When you see people who are in church for long and they have not served, when you see someone in church, they say, I've been in church for a very long time. Your next question is, what, what are you do? What do you do in church? If you find I don't do anything in church, if, I, if you're a man, you want to marry them, advise yourself, be advised. If you're a woman, you want to be advised quickly. Wow. Okay. Because it's like they are, are a nation within a nation. They operate, they flag, they flag their own flag. <laughs> They operate with their own set of laws. 
Such a person, when they enter your life, you don't matter. What they say is what matters. Many marriages break up because of the intolerance of one of the parties. Or intolerable attitude, demands, behavior. That's why you don't have to marry a child. We are all playing game on the phone, and, and because you lost, he said, I don't know, we'll play the game again. I'll take my phone now. Oh, no, I'll take my phone now. The game has ended because I've lost. Please, listen, if you are in church long and you are not serving, it's an attitudinal problem more than a spiritual issue. Okay, I went to the choir, but uh, they didn't like me. And I went to cameraman, but they didn't. I, I, I went, I, I went. Hey, sir, the one trying to capture me on the phone. How long have you been in this church? Just over two years. There are people here who have been here for more than five years. But very, very, very unproductive. It's not personal. Probably learn from what I'm saying. Either attitudinal of lack of inter- a willingness to sacrifice. I'm not ready to sacrifice. This is too much. This is too much. Everything is too much. So what again? Someone shout sacrifice. Sacrifice. Is it easy to be a member of the choir? <laughs> I like your reaction. Is it easy at all, Barbara? What is it's not? But you are still a member of the choir. Why? <laughs> it's hard to be a member of the choir. Oh, but you get to stand on the stage. Rehearsal upon rehearsal. Many people don't know to win Olympic medal. It is one of the hardest things. And most of the time, fundamentally, it boils down to discipline. And sacrifice. You can't go through the disciplines if you don't have sacrifice in mind. Sacrifice by nature means that the thing is costing you. If it doesn't cost you, it's not a sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you, it's not a sacrifice. So by nature, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, David said, I will not offer to my God that which costs me nothing. So number one, sacrifice must cost you. Number two, there are two realms of sacrifice. There are two realms. You, sacrifice is in the physical realm or spiritual realm. Physical realm is the things I've described. You want to have a PhD, you have to sacrifice a lot of fun so that you can just go through this. Sacrifice sleep. How many of you have sacrificed sleep before? When someone tells you, ask for me, I love sleep. <laughs> Mark that person. It means this person, this person will not be able to achieve anything significant in life. You can't achieve anything significant if you love sleep. You love sleep. Most people who sleep all night will probably fail all day. <laughs> yeah, you are telling me eight hours sleep. Are you a baby? <laughs> I need eight hours. Ask me, at least my eight hours sleep, I have to catch. Look, you, you, you just look at your condition. 
Either someone is funding something for you, they are paying your rent for you, they are paying something for you, or someone is helping you, or you are living with someone, you are patching all the... That's why you sleep like that. <laughs> hey, so is this man preaching or... Are you not getting what I'm saying? You are preaching. You are preaching. God has found different means to communicate it to you, but you are not getting it. So he said, okay, let me use the word, real word. Because we have too many failures in our community. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. And it makes certain people in other communities look down on us. I'm being specific in this address. And they don't value us. They don't respect us. Because the culture that makes for greatness, we have dished it. We have thrown it in the bin. And embrace culture that guarantees failure and mediocrity. Wow. Someone shout sacrifice. Sacrifice. Should I end here? I should continue. So physical sacrifice, spiritual sacrifice. In spiritual sacrifice has two realms. The spiritual sacrifice, you are just sacrificing to God or to the devil. So you can sacrifice to the devil, you know. Physical sacrifice, you don't have any spiritual being or any spiritual objective in mind. It's just that life is full of sacrifices and you have to sacrifice something. If you don't embrace sacrifice, sacrifice will be forced on you in life. The value of life is in its donation, not its duration. We make life by what we give, not what not we get. So let this nation celebrate you that you are around. You are making a difference. So physical sacrifice is spiritual sacrifice. Spiritual sacrifices is two ways, either to God or to the devil. First Corinthians chapter 10, First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. Very interesting text. Are you ready to see that one? Put it on the screen. My time is up. Let me just rush through this. It says that, what am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what, uh, offered, uh, or, or what is offered to idol is anything. He's trying to say, do you think what is offered to idol is it's nothing? In other words, some people were going eat to eat some things and people were quarreling about, why are you eating food that is sacrificed to idol? And Paul is, I'm not saying that if it's sacrificed to idol, eat it is going to be demon possessed or something. But for the sake of the one who is worried about your eating, don't eat. That's why he's trying to say. But look at the next verse. He was talking about something. People who sacrifice. Rather that, rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. So you can sacrifice to demons and not to God. Wow. But you know one thing. When you sacrifice to God, he, 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 he reacts to it. Sacrifices benefits you and others. When you sacrifice, it affects you and others. Some of you here are a result of the spiritual sacrifices of your parents. I believe I'm also a beneficiary of the spiritual sacrifice of man. That's, spiritual sacrifices are very interesting. When you embark on the spiritual sacrifices, it doesn't stop with you. It goes into your family members. So some of you here have become victims of certain evil incantations and enchantments and engagements your fathers or your grandfather, your mother engaged in. And now it's affecting you. There are things that are 
You look at all your siblings. Everyone is, is sick or struggling because your mother used to be in the used, used to be in the occult. Your father or your grandfather used to do this, and it has affected all his sons. And it's not coming on you. Not you. Did it. you didn't do it? But the spiritual engagement has. Any any time people go to the fetish, go to voodoo, go to evil powers to go and get benefits, or people who go for children. From the fetish, the children always end up becoming either murderers or dangerous people and trouble. The devil never gives free lunch. No, no, no. Let's all say that together. The devil never gives free lunch. There's nothing like free lunch when it comes to the devil. So when you sacrifice and you engage in um, covenants, I love you so much. Let's drink our blood each other. And now look at you. None of you know you did it. Those things, you did it out of ignorance, but unfortunately, electricity does not know ignorance. You touch it, the reaction will show. But that is the benefit of spiritual authority. The benefit of spiritual power is that when you have, when you have an unpleasant past, which gives Satan an upper hand over your life, in an atmosphere like this, and when you expose yourself to teaching and the word of God and spiritual authority, that thing can be broken. So some of us may be suffering, may be victims of things that our parents or some significant people, authority figures in our line date, and we are suffering in an atmosphere of spirituality, those things can be broken. It's easy to to be dealt with. Right. But you can sacrifice to the devil and sacrifice to God. But when you sacrifice to God, it also comes not only on you, but you, particularly your children. Because your children are a, an extension of yourself. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Remember that. That's why you don't have to lift your finger and your mouth to dishonor your parents. You don't do that. It's not a blessing. It's another way of inviting a curse on yourself. Even when they are wrong, you don't have to dishonor a parent. Look at them, most of the victims on our streets and in our prisons, check them. Most of them are fighting with their mother or their father. Mm. It's never a blessing. If you have a cousin, you have a brother, you have a friend who is, who is, is I don't talk to my father, I don't talk to my mother, hey. he's a very stupid man. Hey! You don't, man, please, for heaven, man, please, man. for heaven's sake, I beg you, you think that you are right, but I beg you, the impact on your life, you will not be able to account for it. You will not be able to take it. These are spiritual things. Yeah. Maybe I'm, the, I'm, I'm giving you a diagnosis of why things are the way they are. Right, right, right. Things don't just happen in life, you know. As I grow and I walk with God, say, I realize things don't just happen. Wow. Things just uh, Someone was walking in town and then uh, uh, a tree was falling or the builders didn't do the thing well, didn't fix it well, and it fell. It hit the person, the person died on the spot. It's such a sad story, but I'm beginning to realize that even those people who are victims for such mishaps, random mishaps, most of the time, if you check, check, there's something in the past that makes them a victim in life. So listen, you, you just cannot be an easy victim in life. Amen. Amen. So when you are doing things, don't be thinking about what you are getting now. Thinking about, think about what you, what you live for in your future. You don't come to church because, oh, today is convenient. The weather is good. No, no, no. Think about tomorrow. Think about tomorrow. Because some of us, before, for the sake of our children, you don't have to miss service. You don't have to miss service. Because the people who are, some of the teachers teaching them are into 
Freemason, are into chanting, are into Buddhism, are into all kinds of. If you don't know, you can't say, I have a teach my child. That their employment terms doesn't engage that one. You can't say, but they are teaching your child and they can see something and they are pushing into your child, pushing into your child. Spiritually, you can't you can arrest them. But in this atmosphere, we can, we, can, we can pick it up and crush it in the name of Jesus. Never entertain anything that will make your child get lose interest in church. You may pay for it in a way you never expected. I'm preaching as a pastor. Because eventually, inevitably, we will have to now gather the pieces. Prayer meeting for prayer meeting. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. But that's why we are trying to avoid now. Oh, sacrifice. Sacrifice. You can sacrifice for the benefit of others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Paul! Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Interesting, Paul. That's the higher realm of living. When you are living for the spiritual benefit of others. Let's all read it out together. Let's go. Yes. Are you ready? Let's go. Yes. Offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. He said, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm happy. My life is being poured out. I'm working so hard up my life out, but it is building somebody. He said, it makes me happy. Makes, that's, that's, those people want to be pastors because they think it gives you opportunity to stand before people. That's, that's, that's the job of a pastor. Your life is to be a sacrifice for God and for the people. A servant you are, not a master. So you can have bodyguards around you. What's that? Sacrifice for others. But the Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. There, there are two types of godly sacrifices. One is an offensive sacrifice. And then the other one is a well-pleasing sacrifice or an excellent sacrifice. An offensive sacrifice, you can find it in the book of Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, particularly verse 7 and verse 8 and verse 14. Malachi chapter 1, please put it on the screen. I have to stop now. You offer defiled food on my altar. You want to sacrifice for me and this sacrifice is defiled. It's not the best, it's not good enough. On my altar, but say, in what, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. Go to the next verse. Look at the next verse. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? That's God talking. And when you offer the lame, you know, the, the chicken that is sick. <laughs> Some of us, our offering is very unwell. <laughs> Your offering is very unwell. And then you offer it to God. He said that you are offering this. To me, offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. When you when you are giving God an, a sacrifice, 
Not, I'm, not, now, I'm not talking only in monetary terms. I'm talking in even service. Service. When you are serving, do it last unto the Lord. Do it with dignity and do it with joy. Not nonchalantly or with, 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 with disdain or arrogance. What, 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 what. No, it's not necessary. Then sit down. Amen? Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Oh, are you learning something at all? Yes. But cares be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and <laughs> takes a vow by sacrifice to the Lord what is blemish. You, you know you have the proper one. But you give God the... It is an abominable sacrifice and we have a well-pleasing sacrifice. Uh, an excellent sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 and Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 and Philippians chapter 4 verse 18. <laughs> Hebrews 11. Hebrews said, by faith, Abel gave to God a more excellent, let's all say more excellent sacrifice. More excellent. Say excellent sacrifice. sacrifice. Last night, some of us came here to pray. We left here almost about 10.30. 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m., some of those same people were here already to come and set up the place. And you do it with joy. That's an excellent sacrifice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. Look at that, and then I'll show you the Hebrews one. Philippians 4, 18. What does it say? Sweet-smelling aroma. I said, the sacrifice what you brought is sweet smelling. Now, it's Hebrews chapter 13, verse, six, verse 16. Let's, let me show you that. And then, but do not forget to do good and to share. For, which, for with such sacrifices, God is well, well pleased. God, King James, give me that King James, please. For with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. All right, so there are sacrifices that God is pleased with. There are sacrifices, some sacrifices God is not pleased with. He said, take it away. I don't want it. I'm not talking only about what comes outside of yourself. I'm talking about even anything you do as a sacrifice. You engage it. You are serving. You are, you are helping. K group. Very soon, we are going to have changes in the K-group system. Don't say, as for me, this is the K-group I'm there, I like, so I won't go. You are spoiling the work. Just sacrifice for the work to go well. Maybe this one is better. Go there. If this way you are assigned, work with it. Yeah. Work with it. No, as for me, this is what I want, and this is what I want. Now, it's not about you. It's about God's plan. It's about God's plan. Because God wants to expand and bless and touch more people. And so there must be the need of constant changes, even if you have to sacrifice your enjoyment, sacrifice your, your relationship with the friends you always hang around with. You can do that later. But for the purpose of God, please... Please, sacrifice it. Different types of sacrifices. Sacrifice to God. Either you sacrifice to the devil. But if you are doing it to God, make sure it's not abominable. 
It's a good sacrifice, well-pleasing sacrifice. And Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. There's so much I could have said. People try different things to try and achieve so many things, and they sacrifice. Why is it that when it comes to God, most of us, we allow society to tell us that you, you, you can't give this to God. You are doing too much for God. You can ask for me, I can't go to church twice a week. <laughs> I can't go to church. <laughs> but you can go to hospital. You can stay in the hospital for six months, seven weeks. I tell you that. That's, a pro- that's not a problem. I can't go to church twice a week. I can't go there. Once a month is enough. It's, it's because you don't actually first love God and you yeah. actually don't know God. You don't care about God. And if you do, then why, does, why is it so much a, a bother to sacrifice for God? Okay, me, I've, I've heard so much preaching. Okay, enough. You to come and serve so that others can have the preaching. Yeah. This year is our day of power. Yeah. Our day of power. Our day of power. It's our day of power, and I want to encourage you. It starts with sacrifice. You can never have power outside of sacrifice. It starts with sacrifice. And as you open up yourself to serve God, sacrificially, invest your life, invest your resources, invest your energy, invest your, some of your intelligence. You are so smart. Why don't you use some to do the work of God? You are a computer guru, but you can tell the church will need some help in computing. You are, you are good at this. Listen, let me say this in conclusion. As I end, if you are, you are good in something, you are a professional in something, and it doesn't have a bearing on the work of God, you are actually not behaving like a, like a true Christian. So you are an accountant, you deal with, uh, or you are very good with PR, you are good, good with this, you are good with that, electric. let it, see how, how you can also use it. But I don't think the church needs it because you never know, you start from somewhere, and make sure that, look out for how that can also benefit God's work. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm too young, I'm too nice, I don't want to be too much, too much in the church. You are a photographer. You are, you are a videographer. And yet you see cameras here and you, have never, you come and sit and cross your leg and feed me with words. <laughs> Music is good. <laughs> and then you go. Ah. How? Amazing testimonies. Amazing testimonies. She said, I served in God's house. Today, she has a whole property. And in New Cross, you know New Cross is a very expensive area? Without any contract. Without any guarantor. Without any reference. Any page, nothing. Just no down payment, nothing. Just keep the property. And anytime you want to talk to me, don't use your phone to call and waste your money. Just text me, I'll call you. I just want you to be happy. If you think bringing someone else to live there will make you happy, then you are free to buy. If you don't want anybody, that's it. It's a law for me. Can you imagine? Bigger one is coming your way. Bigger one is coming your way. Bigger one is coming your way. In the name of Jesus. Shout amen. If you are not saved, you are not safe because life is dangerous. Life is not under your command. I don't see why I should end this service without giving you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, pastor, pray with me because I want to have this bread. It means I want to put all my confidence in him, all my hope in him. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your genuine desire, just lift up your hand and say this after me. Say it genuinely from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. 
I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross to save me. From today, I will serve you. I believe in you. I put all my hope in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you into my life. I make a vow with you that I'll serve you all the days of my life. Satan, get behind me. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you know your sheep and your sheep know your voice. No one can come to you except your father brings him. I pray that let your grace be upon them. Help them to be strong. I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to be a strong Christian. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.